Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the greatest sports journalist in the history of Erie, Pennsylvania, Mr. Mike Balco. Boy, my boy Michael Balco, writer, podcaster, sports enthusiast. He is the first guest that we have on the Black Eagle Hour podcast this year. He had just contributed, and he also has his own podcast, the Mike Belco Show. Uh, I want you all to uh, welcome Mr. Mike Belco. Today, to speak about the New Orleans Saints is Michael Belco from the Michael Belco Show. Host of the Michael Belco Show. Please welcome Michael Belco. What's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of The Michael Balco Show. You already know who your host is. It's not about me today, y'all. It's about Juco football. We're talking everything Juco football. We're talking the truth about it, some guys who played in it that you may not have known, and why there is no shame in taking that Juco route. Joining me to chat about all these topics is current Juco wide receiver for East LA, a TikTok influencer with over 197,000 followers, a dear friend of mine, Chopped it up once before. We're chopping it up again. Tyson Schilling, how we doing, brother? Sure. Doing great today, man. I'm California living, chilling out in the sunshine by the pool. You know, life's good. It's a good Monday. So uh, excited to chat it up. You know, I think last time we talked was a few months ago. So we got a lot to cover. Got a, We got a lot to cover. My man's really sitting yeah. poolside. First poolside podcast <laughs> in uh, Michael Balco show history for sure. Yes, uh, first and foremost, let's chop it up about yourself real quick. Tell us about yourself, your football career, how you ended up at East LA. Ah, shit, it just lagged again. You want to repeat that quick? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're good. First and foremost, just tell us about yourself and uh, how you ended up at East LA. Yep, so I ended up at East LA um, out of high school. Um, I had, you know, recruiting was was kind of iffy. Um, I, I really got into the whole football recruitment stuff late. You know, you're supposed to kind of, I mean, the earlier the better. I didn't really get into it, like, going into my senior year. Um, you know, I transferred high schools in the middle, uh, junior year. I used to be a, a quarterback. I transferred high schools to, a, you know, a big powerhouse private school. And politics in the private school era are, you know, way stronger. So, as a new guy coming in from a, a smaller, worse school, people, they don't like that. You know, you coming in trying to take a spot, um, they're not going for that. Um you know, I had stuff like I couldn't even find a way to get to workouts. Like nobody was telling me because they didn't want me to really get in there. Um, and then one day, you know, after practice, after workouts, I was quarterback at the time. We were throwing the ball around to the receivers. And I remember that it was my turn to throw. Everybody stopped what they was doing, the quarterbacks, and just like gave me the dirty eye while I was throwing. They're like, eh, it was an okay throw. Could have been better. Like the whole time, just, just eyeballing me like some NFL scouts, seeing what they had. Um, so that was funny. Um, I got in the system over there, and we had, like, four or five quarterbacks. And I, I've always been super athletic and played everywhere in my life, running back, receiver, DB, quarterback. Um, they were like, you know, we got an open receiver spot. If you want to take that, you'll actually play because half these quarterbacks, they're not going to play. We have a returner coming. You know, if you want to play, touch the field, do this. So I did that. I ended up falling in love with the position, um, having a good year. Um, had a buddy who kind of helped, you know, mentor me. He's at the – he was at the University of Minnesota. He just had the transfer portal now. Shout out Peter at Doibach. Um, but now from that, um, you know, I had a, a decent junior year. It was okay. I mean, probably not the best. You know, I just got used to it. And then senior year, it was better. We had tons of ups and downs. You know, I talked about that in the last podcast. But 
Um, I finished with mainly D2 offers, NAI offers, um, kind of small D1 looks. A lot of them really faded away um, when our season kind of went down the hill. So honestly, like, even now, I've still never been on a on a big D1 visit before. I've never done a photo shoot in my life, putting the, the pads on and the gear and doing all that. A lot of people don't know that. Like, I've never, I haven't even touched that stuff, really. It's just all been non-contact. So out of high school, I had mainly D2 offers, NAI, like I was talking about. Um, um, you know, and I've always wanted to go big as possible, play as big as I can. So I bet on myself. I went to Iowa Western Junior College. I uh, went down there. As a, you know, it was a cool place. They, they give you everything, housing, meal plans, thankful for that. Everything worked out except for football. It was super political down there. Uh, I tore my knee up, too, so I came back, balled out. You know, political things down there. We had about 50 receivers, eight get to travel, four got to be from the state of Iowa. So that's about four spots for a predominantly uh, room full of guys that aren't from Iowa. You know, we got guys from Alabama, Georgia, everybody, 50 offers, 30, 20, to me, zero. But everybody could compete, and everybody was good. And seeing, you know, not calling them out, but dudes from Iowa that aren't as good taking your spot just because they're from the state. You know, they have the upper hand. So I thought I was going to play, me and the coach, we did. And then, you know, things happened. Football politics didn't work out. So kind of mid throughout the season, I was I was reaching out to other junior colleges and schools that recruited me out of high school to see if it'd be a good fit. And, uh, you know, I had just had a little NFL me coach thank them for their time shake their hand a lot of guys hear me still yeah yeah we're good yeah all right a lot of you know a lot of guys aren't like that you know they're gonna grab the gear run out the room throw it down make a big fuss you know and they're like this is the most professional goodbye we've ever had so uh after some networking um i ended up with my buddy at east la he was a quarterback with me at iowa western so um, I knew him. We became really close. And he was like, yeah, just come out. You'll fit the system. You'll love it out here. So within the next month, I packed up, shipped my car, and I, I was uh, living with my buddy on the couch. So I was on an L-sectional couch. It's where I met my roommate, um, Guy McCarthy. He just transferred to LIU, Long Island University, playing D1 ball. So I'm happy for him. Um, so I met him on that couch. I didn't know he was going to be there. You know, I walked through the front door. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's living here too, by the way. And I'm like, what? So me and him shared that L couch for like two, three months. We had four dudes in a two-bed, one-bath apartment in Fullerton, California, which if you didn't know California, that's a 45-minute drive to East L.A. So we had the car ride all the time, all the way up to school, and we were going to get a place together. But their lease wasn't done until like August or, you know, later than that. And they were like, they weren't in a rush. My buddy Guy ended up getting our own spot in USC. You know, rundown neighborhood. It was it was a hood for sure, but we were just thankful to have a spot to live in um, that we could get to school and I had my car. So from there, that's that's how I ended up over in uh, East Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, man. That's one of the things about JUCO football. You know, it's a grind. It makes the story so dope, so unique, all that good stuff. So we got to hear it, bruh. You know, last chance you was actually just at your school filming the basketball for their last season that they just did. Tell us, tell us the deets, bruh. Is uh is JUCO football really the way it seems on Last Chance U? Yeah. Um. So for that, I'd say, I mean, obviously, it really depends uh, your situation, but you know, it is for sure. I mean, the the crazy coaches and stuff. It all depends what school you're at. Like, 
Coach Brown from Indy, he was he was crazy. I mean, I know dudes that played for him. They know he was crazy. He was kind of he he was something to handle with. But no, that's I mean that's how a bunch of coaches will be. I mean, my coaches they literally say I'm I'm gonna dig at you until you quit. No, uh, that's you got to be mentally stronger. I mean, football they say now 80% mental, 20% physical. I think it's even more than that because if you know guys like Cooper Cup who aren't the biggest, fastest, strongest, but they know how to mentally run routes and mentally break you down and study coverages, like it's all in your head. You know, it doesn't matter how much you can bench press. Devontae Smith, Heisman as a wide receiver, I guarantee you can't lift 225, but stuff like that. So I would say definitely, yeah, I mean, out here it's $7 a gallon for gas and minimum wage is $15. So, uh, you know, it's not really livable out here. It just is crazy, especially dudes that ha- have kids already or they grew up out here. And, yeah, it's a struggle. I mean, dudes are sleeping in their car or um, couch hop, you know, around place to place with the with the homies. But, you know, I'm thankful enough to have a, a family and a spot now that, you know, it works perfect for me. But I would say it's definitely um, – some people would say, you know, it's TV drama, but come live it then. You know, even in Iowa we had dorms and stuff, and it sucked. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say for sure it's, it's a struggle. Yeah, I would say probably Last Chance Q is probably one of the most realistic of those TV dramas you'll ever see. Like, obviously, I mean, there's probably some things maybe that are like a little bit more emphasized. But I think like probably 99% of the shit you're seeing on Last Chance U is pretty accurate. And I mean, I've had RJ Stern on. I've had, you know, a couple guys from Last Chance U on. And, and yeah many guys who have played Juco, including yourself. And it's all the same, all the same story. So without a doubt, Juco football is, is that shit you see on last chance you. Um, One thing that draws people into Juco football is the crazy stories, whether it's dudes living in their cars, like you were just talking about, or some of the crazy on-field antics that you only seem to find in junior college. Tell us some of your favorite Juco stories you've encountered in your time. I know you got them. Um, oh man, I got too many. My old, in Iowa, we used to, um, season up steaks and heat them on a, on a hot pad in the dorm. We used to make full meals. The damn smoke alarms would go off. The whole hallways would smoke up, but we were eating good. Um, I've, I've literally seen it all. You name it, I've seen it all. I've seen kids, uh, players fight coaches, coaches fight players, players fight players. I've seen everything, but the, probably the biggest, the crazy one, uh, two from this year. We were playing uh, College of the Canyons. I'll say them by the name because it was it was crazy. We were it was a really good game. They were the best team in California at the time. Um, we I was lined up um, talking you know talking trash with DB, um, and I looked to my right because they gotta look at the quarterback with the ball. And up there in the stands, I see um, I see a, a dad with his foot up just stomping on a guy's head in the crowd. Just a whole fight breaks out in the crowd. So the refs like call timeout and everybody's standing there on the field watching the whole stands just fight. You got players on the sidelines like, oh, that's my dad. That's my uncle sprinting up to the stands trying to, you know, fighting in the middle of the game. Like these kids are lined up at receivers and sprinting to the stands to go fight with their family. So that was ridiculous. It took like 20 minutes to break it all up because we have a 25,000 stadium, but we make everybody sit in the same section. So you know, they're the the fans are together. So when they're talking, they're talking trash. Like they're right next to each other. People are gonna turn around, and look at you. Well, that was crazy. And then another one we played at Ventura, our last game of the regular season, who's the number one team in Cali again at the end of the year. 
Um, they're like nine and one. Really, they have some, some good players. Um, you know, it was it was a chippy game, and when the refs let stuff, it doesn't just happen. You know, it builds up. When the refs let you play dirty off the play one, it just it's going to keep building unless they take control, and they didn't. Um, so there was tons of cheapness in that game. And long story short, one of our players, like the final kickoff, like four minutes left, we were we were down like twenty one. It was it was game over. Um, it was whistle was blue. Our guy was walking on the bench. One of their dudes just took him out, just decleated him. And then our big defensive end comes and decleats him, just rocks the kid. And then a whole fight breaks out on the field. They separate us. They got so hectic that the refs called the game. And we're walking back to the locker room and a fan spits on one of our players. Um, from there, everybody freaks out and they are climbing over the fences. Like, you know, I'm not going to incriminate my own teammates, but it, it got a little wild. There's police everywhere. We had to be police escorted out. It was insane. Like, I, I, you know me, I'm a pretty boy. I was standing there like, hey, hold my helmet. I was like, all right, man, I'm chilling, watching. I was trying to play in the bowl game because if you if you got caught in that, you were probably going to be suspended. So I've seen craziness, you know. And, and one more, we had a receiver last year. He was mad because my coach was telling him how to run the route, and he was saying that's not how you run the route. And then he tried throwing his gear off and squaring up with my coach, and everybody just laughed at him, kind of told him to get off the field. It was like, man, what are you doing? But, Brought- yeah, I've, I've seen – oh, and, and water water fights in the dorm, you know. Orbeez, airsoft in the dorm hallways, everything. Bro, you only – I swear you only see this shit in Juco, dog. Like, yeah, no. Everything. I swear to God, you ain't seeing nobody at Clemson just fucking scrapping with – Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Dabo Sweeney, they got, they got stuff to lose. I mean, some – like, these kids, they feel like they don't got anything to lose. You know, you're at rock bottom. You're either going to go, go up or down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that kind of transitions into the next question. It's just like – Juco, Juco helps a lot of dudes. It also hurts a lot of dudes. You know what I mean? What are some yeah. ways that Juco helps dudes showcase their abilities? And what are some ways it's helped you personally do the same thing? Yeah, um, I, I'd say first and foremost, it's goes character. Um, not even for football, but just for life. Like, you're going to have to deal with stuff, people telling you what to do that you don't want to do, people screaming at you, people, you know, not working together. Because uh, Juco is a very, you know, individual sport you know guys are coming in like ah, i don't got to be cool with the team i'm gonna come in i'm gonna get my offers and i believe i'm gonna just fall it doesn't work like that unfortunately um football is a huge team sport like i came in even last year i was kind of thinking like that like this is my second year you know i'm gonna just come in i'm gonna get out but no football is 11 dudes 22 play and it's like you need everybody to be bought in like i sound like a coach now like i mean i'm going into my third year I'm damn near a coach. Like, I know exactly what it takes. So it builds tons of character because you got to deal with so much adversity. You know, that's going to be with you for life, too. But when you come from, sounds cliche, but like when you come from the bottom, you're so much more thankful for everything else. So whether that's even going to NAI, D2, D1, you go to university and you have a staff that has given you money to play ball, and now at NIL you can make money. Um, it, you know, it's just even more of a blessing for those guys. So a lot of that, you know, It'll get you to a university. You get your degree all paid for, not even talking about football. You know, obviously, there's NFL stuff. There's professional. There's higher level. But, I mean, it just it makes you a, a more down-to-earth person. I feel like, you know, those dudes are going to work harder. If you throw in a JUCO guy in a mid-year transfer to guys that have been at a D1 for three years, the JUCO guy's going to outwork them just because he's coming in. You know, he's a dog. 
So I think it builds that dog mentality, um, builds up some character, and, you know, it, it makes deeper friendships because you guys are in this together, you know? Yeah, and I think I think one thing that a lot of people automatically assume about, you know, coming out of the JUCO level is that you have to have, like, stellar numbers. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't, if you don't mm-hmm. put up numbers at the JUCO level, you're just not going to – you know, get to that next level. How accurate is that? Um, and just kind of what what do yeah. what do coaches look at at the next level from JUCO guys? Yeah, um, I would say that's you know it's pretty inaccurate, believe it or not. I mean, everybody thinks you gotta be. Yes, being an All American obviously helps. Those guys will get the bigger offers if you put up thirteen hundred receiving yards. Like, yeah, you're gonna you're you're like that. But my teammate. He was kind of like not really my. He was kind of like my backup. He had four or five catches total, and he went D one. He went to Moorhead State um, and barely played this year, like literally. So at my old school, we had dudes go D one off of practice film. It, it's literally the work you put in. I mean, I I I barely broke three hundred receiving yards, but I had four touchdowns and like my yards per catch was like seventeen. Because I was getting straight big plays, or I was getting bubbles and nobody blocked, and I was losing three yards a catch. So, and I was on the outside. And this year, I'm gonna be in the slot, so I'm expecting bigger numbers, which obviously help. But I mean, there's I had three, four D1 offers off of 295 yards. My roommate went D1 off of 300 yards. Like everybody, the numbers matter, but it's about your film. It's about quality over quantity. Like you could go, where's dudes in our league that went for crazy numbers, but they're catching bubbles. They get four or five bubbles a game, and they're getting 10 yards a catch, but it's not showing a coach your ability. They want to see you run a good route, good block, good technique. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, you just scoring every single play against bad competition. So I'd say, yeah, quality over quantity for sure. That's, like, spectacular advice because, like, people genuinely do not realize that. Like, mm-hmm. like you're just assuming that – you know, everybody who's coming from JUCO to a Division One program or a Division Two program, they're just assuming that they put up numbers in JUCO, so they're just getting that that promotion. Basically, is kind of what it is. Right. But it's just it's you're proving that it's just not the case at all. You know what I mean? Like practice film. You know what I mean? Like that's that's wild. Yeah. That's dope too. You know, it, it yeah, even yeah, more. It's all about connections and who you know. Yeah, it even more like glorifies like that it's okay to go JUCO. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with it at all. Um, nope. Now, when it comes to picking a JUCO college, like a good junior college to attend, what are some things that you're looking for? Um, and how is a junior college recruiting process different from a more traditional standard like high school one? Yeah, um, as in when schools recruit you from JUCO or when you decide to go to a JUCO? Yeah, like if you're coming out of high school and, you know, you may not have the grades or you may not have the the offers or whatever. Yeah. How is a recruiting process when it comes to JUCO different from like if you're going D1 or D2? Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I had the D2 stuff and all that. Um, they'll take you on visits, you know, unofficial, official, all that stuff. For me, the main thing was, you know, I want to get my school paid for. Um, that's the biggest thing. I don't want my parents having to pay for all that. You know, I get scholarships at D two. It'd be like twenty five thousand out of a forty five thousand year tuition. I'm still paying twenty thousand dollars, and I'm I'm getting eighty to a hundred thousand dollars in debt. So I I was very straightforward. A lot of those coaches because I don't qualify for FAFSA stuff, financial aid to give me a full ride scholarship like some other dudes. Um, so when you go to JUCO, 
some give scholarships like the Midwest, like the Iowa ones and stuff, but that's a select few. Um, I don't even think it's full. Like they'll give you money, but you have to really be that dude. They're recruiting hard. Mainly the scholarships are for guys that were power five players, but they didn't qualify. And they knew that right off the jump, like just digging at them and they can get him. Like that's top money for me. And probably a lot of other dudes, it, it consists of, I heard from some JUCOs, but I, like Iowa Western was a powerhouse. My my buddy who was my roommate there, he went and was like, yeah, hit him up. So I hit up the head coach and he, you know, they'll chop it up. Like, sure, come on out, meet you. If they like you, they're like, come. It's not, it's nothing like uh, they're sending you game day edits and stuff. Like, yay, boss, you ready to come? Like, they can, they can really take whoever, at least them, because they're, they're in the national championship. Like, they're a top JUCO. I know the lower JUCOs, I mean, they need guys. Like, they'll dig at you, but it's it's a little different. It's more of you got to reach out to them, like, if you want to fall. Because, I mean, they got tons of kids asking to come get a shot because everybody thinks you go JUCO, you're going to just bounce out to D1. But there's, there's a big line of work you got to put in in between there. Yeah, and, you know, JUCO is, is, is dope. I love JUCO football because – you see good football. You also see bad football. You see, mm-hmm. just, I don't know, man, dudes, like you said earlier, it's just like, you know, some people just don't got nothing to lose. So, you know, they're just out here. They're experimenting with things, doing whatever the fuck yeah. they want to do, to be honest with you. It's awesome. And uh, I just kind of want to talk about you and your, uh, your, your TikTok career and kind of how you got into mm-hmm. that. Because you're without a doubt the CEO of uh, Juco TikTok. Like you are, the head, you're the head honcho. What inspired yep. you to start your TikTok account? And did you expect it to pop off like it did? You got almost 200K right now. Tell us tell us that experience. Yeah. Um, it all started during quarantine. I mean, that's when TikTok blew up. I've always been like a social media guy. Like since I was, I was younger, like when Instagram first dropped, like I had a, a style, like I would follow like as many people as I could. They'd follow me back and I'd go back and I'll follow them. So it looked like I had followers. So like, uh, I mean, I had like, snake. yeah, Hey, you know, but I was like hustling as a young age. Like I was getting like, I had like 2,500 followers when I was in like sixth grade. Um, so I've always been inspired by the social media stuff. Like whether I got shit for it or not from people like, bro, what are you doing posting this? I'm like, dude, just trust me. It's going to blow up one day. And it did. Um, so TikTok stuff started during quarantine. I, I've always had tons of ideas and I used to make videos with my customized shoes on YouTube and, even Vine, I used to like Vine a lot before that got shut down. So I just, you know, at first it was like funny videos and they, they started hitting a little bit. And then I did a video about my family because I'm actually mixed. That hit like a million views. So that jumped me up like 9,000, 10,000 followers. So I already had a decent little following. And from there, I just slowly, I had a bunch of branches. Like I had funny, I had sports, I had work, I had food. I just wanted to build as big of an audience as I could. And then the JUCO stuff really started hitting once I was talking about like my actual story and people were like, dude, that's really good. You should share more. Um, I did. And those, those, you know, those videos kept building and building. So I think when I went to, when I transferred to Iowa Western, I think I was at like 35,000 or something. And once I left there, I was probably at 70. Um, like, I mean, I go to Canes and they're like, oh, you're that guy from TikTok. Or like, I went to get my vaccine and then one of the nurses had me take a picture of her for her kids and all this stuff. So it felt really good, you know, just being in a small town and getting noticed for the little stuff. Um, and then I think, yeah, the big jump was like, once 
when I was tore my knee, I was just sitting in my bed. I couldn't do anything. So that's when I started like my series, like listening off my journey. Um, and those videos did crazy numbers. So th those blew me up. I came to Cali, bigger numbers. It just, it kept growing and growing. And then recently I had a video blow up a few months ago that was on Sports Center, Jukes, like all these football pages. And I mean, I've gained tons that that was a, a huge huge push and from there like all eyes were on me so i was just you know literally i'll just go through my phone pump out some content that i can and um now i'm like serious about social media you know um, i signed with a nil agency so i'm working with partnerships and endorsement deals and just staying on top of the social media which has been great so i've, I've expanded the instagram reels which I don't know if you've seen, but like last time we talked, I probably had like 6,000 followers on Instagram. Now I'm at 20. So it's just insane. Like the, the actual, you know, the media, like I was getting shit for it all season. Like first time I even came to ELAC, like they're ah oh, TikTok boy, TikTok this. I'm like, okay, shit, we'll see what happens. And, you know, at the end we became tight, but it's because I was, you know, doing them in practice every day. When you get, when you get uh, routed up by a guy that looks like me and does TikTok, it's going to hurt you a little bit. Um, so that was always a little funny. But, you know, other teams would talk shit, but, you know, from the sideline. But I'd, I'd look over and I'd be like, you know who I am. I don't know who you are. You know, uh, you know my video. Like, that's how I know I have a reach. So, you know, I, I never cared what anybody said. Like, I, I just don't care. I, everybody responds with hate comment. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, it's social media. It's the internet. Like, you, it doesn't affect me at all if somebody talks shit. It's, it's funny. Like, me and my dad will, like, see some comments, and he'll be like, why would he say this? I'm like, dude, they're just trolling. They're just kids on the internet. So, you know, I've definitely taken advantage of it, and I'm excited because I think this season, you know, I haven't officially announced that I'm going back, but I am. Uh, I think I'm going to do that this week. So you got the inside scoop. Cause you know, everybody's like, you got, you got D1 offers. Why aren't you, why aren't you committing? Um, and I'm just sticking to that, the bet on myself thing. I got another year I can do. And then I like, I want, I want more. I want bigger. I want, I want what I deserve. You know, I worked so hard for a lot of this. And it's like, even some of those schools, like I'm saving money coming to LA, living, being with the same, same staff, same friends than I am going to a small town. So yeah, so I'm, I'm still on it. I'm excited for the season, and by the time I transfer to a D1, I think it's just going to blow because I'm doing numbers all by myself. But if I was to transfer to, you know, University of Oregon, boom, just like that. I, I'm gaining two, three hundred K just because I go to a big school. So I think once I actually make it um, where I want to go, it'll be huge. Like some people have been following me since high school. So that's why I think I engage a lot of people because they see my progress, you know. So seeing me get offers and, and, and still going like, damn, I remember you when you were making those TikToks in your room during quarantine. So, it, I mean, it's been like two years, but it has been crazy. That's one thing I love about TikTok so much is like, like I haven't posted on TikTok in a grip and I'm still yeah. getting these random ass noties like, oh, so-and-so liked your shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just mm -hmm. like, because all you need is like a one video and then like. Yeah, well, it it hits, yeah they say now it's, it's literally the easiest way to become famous and yeah. it, it's not like who knows how much longer it's going to last i try to tell people like take full advantage of it because you don't know when it's going to be gone like it's never been this easy to get engagement to get followed like youtube is a grind you know that like you could not get a million views on a video over youtube's algorithm 
you couldn't do that on Instagram. Like TikTok, it, it changed the game. So I tell everybody, like, dude, you could wake up the next morning and have 20K followers. You don't know. It just has to hit. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it's it's really cool. It's really awesome because one thing I love about TikTok so much is that so many people are able to get their stories out there. You know what I mean? Like you, you know, you're able to get your whole story out there. You started, you know, just doing whatever, you know what I mean? And it ended up being something that could actually help people and motivate people, which is why I do my podcast, which is why you do what you do on TikTok. It's great. Yep. You know, I love following you too. Like you and Clifford Taylor, are like my two dudes who on TikTok, <laughs> I like following yeah. y'all, bro, because not only are y'all my homies in real life, but then also it's just like, y'all have like the perfect balance of like motivational and like comedy in your TikToks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just great. So you're able to change lives, which is dope. Um, yeah. Now we're going to transition. We're done talking about you, bro. We're done. Yes, sir. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just messing with you. Is it um, time? It's time. It's time for the old, the old right. top 10. We're talking about junior college alumni. Tyson and I are each going to break down our top 10 best Juco players of all time. I'm going to knock mine out first because, you know, host goes first. Yep, My top yep. 10, going from 10 to 1. Number 10, Brett Kiesel. Steelers fans know who he is. Uh, Longtime defensive end for them. Number 9, Bryant McKinney. Number 8, Alvin yeah. Kamara. Who that, baby? Number seven. Yeah, that's fair. Number seven. You're a Jason. Saints guy, too. That, that's your boy. I'm a Saints guy. That's just – that tells you, man. Alvin Kamara coming in at eight. Like, we're yeah, we're, we're cooking. Solid. Number seven, Jason Pierre-Paul before the fireworks incident. Number six, mm -hmm. Larry <laughs> Allen, NFL Hall of Famer. Number five, yep. it was tough put – it was tough sticking my number five before Alvin Kamara, but I had to. Number five is O.J. Simpson. Uh, mm -hmm. Number four, Keyshawn Johnson. Number three. Walter Jones, NFL Hall of Famer. Okay. All number, yep. number two, Roger Staubach. Number one, the GOAT, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, straight out of Butte College, baby. No, that's <laughs> that's a valid list. I would say – I'd say you missed a few guys, though. I got some I, modern I guys. I missed so, a few guys, most definitely. Yeah, I got you. Let's, let's take a look here at mine. Yeah, no, Aaron Rodgers is, is probably – I mean, he's already Hall of Fame bound. And, you know, I'm a Vikings fan. I, I like him. I hate him. But I think he's still going to – he'll probably be the, the GOAT for Juco, to, you know, for sure. All right. Let's see what we got here. Number 10, Cameron Newton from Blinn College. I flirted you know? with the idea. I flirted with yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, this is before the whole – you know, he fell off when he went to New England. I think he might have a little bit in the tank, but, you know, he's getting older. It's fair. Uh, I think he had a great college career. Heisman, right? Did he win a Heisman? Yeah, yeah he won it. Yeah, I mean. Number one overall know, pick. Great, yeah, great college career. Number one pick. Went to the Super Bowl. We're not going to talk about what happened, but went to the Super Bowl. He had a great career. You know, set records for quarterback stuff. So, I got Cam in the top ten. Number, line, uh, <clears throat> number nine, Jason Pierre-Paul. You know, I got him in there, too. I mean, he's obviously a good player, but he's from College of the Canyon there in our conference. So I, I kind of like looking – I was looking at more uh, Cali Jucos. So, yeah, College of the Canyons, defensive tackle, Jason Pierre-Paul. Number eight, ready for this one? I got Hollywood Brown, College Ooh. of the Canyon. Didn't yep. even realize it. Didn't even realize it. Yep. So Marquise Hollywood Brown just got traded to the Cardinals. You know, him and Lamar type. He's had a pretty pretty good NFL start so far. I think this year he's going to blow with Kyler Murray's play style. He could throw a better ball than Lamar, and D-Hop's going to take all the double coverage away. I think 
he's going to have a great year. So I got I got Hollywood in there. He had a great – he had a good college career too. Number seven, AK-47, Elva Kamara, out of Hutchinson Community College in Kansas. You know, not much has to be said for what Elvin Kamara has done to football, receiving back, running back, without a decent quarterback. I mean, he had Drew Brees for a bit, but, you know, he, he's a great player. I'm interested to see if he'll play this year or not, what's going on with his situation, but, you know, disregard that. Number six, <clears throat> we got Mr. Tyreek Hill, Garden Damn. City. Damn. Yeah, you're Damn. missing. So, you know, not much, once again, has to be said for Tyreek. He is insane. Um, fat, one of the fastest men on earth. Great career with the Chiefs. You know, he, he took that money, so we're going to see if it pays off with Tua, but personally, I'll, I'll pfft, dream team like Michael Jordan and them. I'm taking the pay cut. I'm winning. But I, I still think he's going to have a you know, great career. He's on the verge. You know, he got to produce more, but he, he could potentially be a Hall of Famer in the future. Number five, Walter Jones, Hall of Fame. You know, Holmes Community College, not much to be said. You know, tackle. You guys got to love linemen. They don't get they don't get in the newspapers, but they are the reason that teams win games. Uh, number four, Larry Allen, Hall of Fame, Butte College, the California JUCO, same that Aaron Rodgers went to guard. Walter Walter Jones was way better though. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had yeah, yeah, you know, I, I'll put Walter at four then. You know, switch him a bit. <laughs> All right, number three, we got OJ Simpson, San Francisco. Community College, San Fran City College. They actually went to the national championship last year in Cali. Um, yeah, I wanted to play them. They looked really good. But yeah, you know, not much. Have OJ, great, great dude. You know, had some, had some stuff <laughs> pop up in the past, but we're talking mainly football right now. Okay, so OJ's up there. All right, number two. <clears throat> you ready for this? Born ready. Frank Gifford, Hall of Fame, Bakersfield. Bakersfield, California. They're in our conference. Um, he's definitely, definitely old school, but man, that's a Hall of Famer. He played halfback, DB, wide receiver, everything on the damn field. But, you know, shout out to him, Bakersfield. Um, that's the team, you know, the video I put the guy in the dirt in. That's Bakersfield. Um, number one, Aaron Rodgers, Duke Community College, Northern Cali. Um, I think. Yeah, once again, we're just, we're just gonna, gonna be we're just gonna disregard the fact that you left Roger Staubach off your list and put Hollywood Brown on it, but it's cool. It's cool though. <laughs> hey, hey, I got the modern guys though, okay? Oh, All know. right. You touched on the ones that Google didn't tell me about, so it's cool. Yeah, I got I got, you know, they got potential. They're all young, but you know, they're gonna have some potential. We're gonna have to collab and get some uh we're gonna have to make like a website that tells you every JUCO player. Because it was oh, a yeah. struggle, bro. It was a struggle. Oh, yeah. And that's the sad part. Bit. It was the sad part. It was actually high key a struggle trying to find a list of NFL JUCO players, bro. Yeah. It's like they I try mean, and just wash that part out of their life. I don't understand it at all. It's like basketball too. Like um, Scotty Pippen went to an NAIA. Like nobody knows that. Like just little stuff. Yeah, I feel like you pick up on it more if you if you're in JUCO and you're in those ranks and stuff like that. So. Yeah. I, I appreciate it was funny that. seeing how many of those guys came from my conference too. Like, yeah, there, there's some ball. I mean, there's tons of dudes that are at that level, but they're not, you know, not blown up yet. 
We're going to take to Twitter and uh, blast your top 10. We'll see whose top 10 is better. But <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Y'all look out for that tweet. Uh, <laughs> what yep. is one thing about Juco football that you won't see anywhere else? Oh, God. Um, see, football-wise, a lot of it will translate because they're, they're treating like you're a D1, you know, the workouts, the grind, the, the, the hustle, the screaming, all that. Um, one thing I see in Juco – Man, you're gonna see some characters. You're gonna meet some people. Just some some crazy, just people that you look at every day. Like, what are you, man, what? Just you know, the funniest people ever. You got dudes that probably run like a five flat forty, but swear they're gonna go to Alabama, stuff like that. Just you see a lot of people with their heads in the clouds, which is pretty funny. A lot of people need to humble themselves too. You come to Juco, you're gonna get humbled. But going into it, everybody thinks they're the man because everybody was the man in high school. So I would say you just meet a variety of people who work on your people skills, but you're going to meet every single kind of person. I think the best way I can describe Juco football to people who don't like understand Juco football, but maybe like could understand a different avenue is like, is like semi-pro, like adult recreational leagues. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like we got a pretty, we got a pretty good team here in Erie and, uh, Uh, and and they they just won a national championship, you know, last year. They're 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 good, you know what I mean. But they just be rolling up to games, bro, like fucking wearing sweats. They be getting changed mm-hmm. on the sidelines, bro, like yep. all that that's shit. The they same, just be- that's the same shit. We had uh this year Bakersfield. Actually, they got a beautiful stadium. It's huge. I think I posted a TikTok on it because it's a D one stadium. Man, they put us in a tent in the dirt outside the stadium. Like, you know, come on, man. They had a gorgeous, like, concession stands built in, and they put us in the dirt outside the stadium. Like, oh, man, you, you're going to see some stuff. Disrespectful. Go route them up right yeah, out. That's why we beat them, man. <laughs> that's why right. we beat them. I got two more questions for you, Tyson. Next one. Why should nobody be ashamed of taking the JUCO route? Uh, nobody should be ashamed because it's just uh, – you know, I say same, uh, different chapter, same story. You know, it's all going to end up at the same, but it's, it's just how, about how you get there. I mean, we just named off Hall of Famers who played junior college. And uh, I think it's funny because people that'll talk, you know, talk shit in the comments have Aaron Rodgers as the profile picture. And I'm like, that dude literally went, you know, Tyreek profile picture. Like, well, you're talking, you know, you do some research. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a completely different route. I always seen it as, like I said, you get to the same spot, but I want to go somewhere that I'm going to develop and play and get where I want to go. Some dudes will go D1 out of high school, but they're not going to touch the field for three, four years. Like you're going to red shirt and then you're going to ride the bench for a year. And then maybe another year. By the time I transfer in, we're in the same spot, you know, but I got college ball under my belt playing against power five dudes. And I know the system and I, you know, like I'm not complacent. So I think that's a great thing too is you can learn not to be complacent. Like you got to come to work every day, fight for your job, prove why you're the best. Not only you got to deal with all these struggles because you know out here there's there's no housing, there's no meal plans, and no scholarships. So you're paying for all of this, and outside of going to camp for hours, you got to find a spot to live, and you got to go home and cook a meal. Um, yeah, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, all of that just plays a huge factor, you know. If you really bet on yourself and you believe in yourself, then it's, it's, 
the route to take. Don't don't see those guys that they think I'm gonna go D two ball out and then I'm gonna transfer up to D one. Like it doesn't work like that. They're just gonna look right over you. Even if you're an all American, they're gonna be like, he was playing D two. You go JUCO, they gotta respect it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I got one last question, and it's the it's a question I end every single episode on. What is one piece of advice you can give to the listeners? Maybe they're maybe they're considering playing JUCO. Maybe they're past their football days and they just need life advice in general. What's one piece of advice you could give anybody listening to the show? Piece of advice, um, yeah, I would say really just um, you know, never never stop working for what you believe in. I think in today's today's world, you can really accomplish anything you put your mind to. It sounds super, you know, oversaid, but I really believe that it, it's worked for me and I know it will work for me. Like if you have a positive mindset and you surround yourself with positive thoughts, you're just going to get positive outcomes. I think if you only, um, if, if you really shoot for the goals that you want to hit, there's always, they're not dreams, they're goals, you know. NFL for me isn't a dream, it's a goal. Like I know I'm going to get there. I know it's just going to take time and it takes work. I think if, if that's the way that you live your live life and you motivate yourself, um, yeah, you'll be successful in anything, whether it's it's work, whether it's sports, whether it's relationships. Um, I think if you put work into it, you, you get the outcome that you want. So I, I'd say that's my advice. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, Tyson Schilling, 197,000 followers on TikTok, over 20K on Instagram. Living the dream. Sure. We're going to link all that stuff down below. Make sure you all go follow my boy. Reach out if you have any questions. Um, I appreciate you so much for hopping on the show. You guys are going to see a lot you, of man. us. See a lot of us in the future. Yeah, let's get a uh, a Twitter poll going here in the next next forty eight hours. Twitter yes, poll, see who's top ten is better. Whose top ten is better? You guys got to go okay. vote for it. Thank you once again for hopping on the show. I appreciate you, sir. Have- this episode of the Michael Balco Show is brought to you by Donato's Pizza. Donato's Pizza prides themselves on ensuring that every piece of their pizza is the best piece of pizza you'll ever eat. I sure love me some Donato's Pizza, and I can guarantee that you will too. Donato's has three locations in the Erie area and many more across the country. Check out your local Donato's Pizza today.